0: Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the people management platform for hospitality teams. With its intuitive drag and drop Rota planner and built in budgeting tools, Rotacloud users spend an average of 66% less time on staffing related admin, leaving them with more time to spend with their customers, train staff, or simply take a well earned break. Head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to explore Rotacloud's full range of tools and features and sign up for your 30 day free trial. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is David Taylor, CEO of Lore Group and Total Industry Titan. Coming up on today's show. David and Phil take their relationship up a notch. The
1: fact that we're sitting in a bedroom in Shoreditch, people might start would, to ask questions. But they do not
0: disturb sign on, do on. Not disturb sign on. Our heroes run into a problem. Ah, quickly find a solution Ah! And David tells us the blueprint for all good ideas It was ridiculous, but brilliant <laughs> All that and so much more as David talks us through his absolutely epic story so far David's story is brimmed with fantastic anecdotes and learning as we get a wonderful insight into some of the thinking that has led to him becoming one of the preeminent hoteliers of our time Not only that, he tells his story with real class and humour throughout and I'll be forever grateful that he was so gracious with his time This chat serves as a fitting finale to Season 4, but you won't have to wait long for Season 5 as we get struck straight into that next week. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a
1: review. Enjoy.
0: And a huge hospitality meets. Welcome to industry legend, David Taylor.
1: (laughs) Phil, I'm not worthy of that.
0: (laughs) You totally are. You totally are. We'll get into that as we go through your, um, your story, I'm sure. But... Yeah, how
1: are you? I'm, I'm great. You know, I think um, the fact that we're sitting in a bedroom in Shoreditch, people might start would, to ask questions. With the do not disturb sign with on. With the do not disturb sign <laughs> on. But, um, but, but equally, good air conditioning when the weather's finally arrived it's heaven. as the kids have gone back to school.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I sweated for 10 minutes on my way here today, and uh, to sit in an air conditioned room right now and having a chat to you is a sanctuary beyond words. We're in a good place for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And I have place. to just talk before we get into it about the hospitality that greeted me here. In the form of biscuits with hospitality meats on. Lovely touch.
1: The t- the team, um the team are always looking for for, for ways of delivering personalization. And, and and you know, clearly that gets harder and harder and harder. So I think there's any any nugget or something, can, and I'm sure um they were very well briefed by my assistant Pooja.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, yes. She's a legend or uh, as well. But in any case, so well I mean let's just get straight to it. We'll we'll obviously come on to uh, what you've got your head in at the moment in the fullness of the discussion but uh, just tell the world who you are and what you do
1: so um so david taylor uh, chief executive officer for law group uh which is the the hotel business of of global holdings um and i've been doing this since april last week in april in 2020 great time it's not join. necessarily when you'd want to be starting a new job
0: no well i, I suppose contrary to that maybe the best time to start <laughs> a new job um as long as there was a long term vision
1: yeah, it, certainly, a, certainly a steep learning curve, but I think it also, also a great, a great time to join what is an amazing business anyway, of which we're now building on that. Where equally, you know, the funnily enough, as the Americans say, there was no playbook, no playbook for COVID, and therefore no playbook for what do you do next. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of where, where sort of my journey with law began. Then.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great stuff. Well, I mean, we'll we'll get into law and what you do in more detail later, but. Take us all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into hospitality in the first place?
1: Well, um, I, I, I sort of, my, my sort of, I think my mother made this sort of comment saying that either I'm going to do really well, or end up in prison. And and I think um, <laughs> I, 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 I went to what was, um, uh, I, w- I went to boarding school from from sort of eleven through through eighteen, and um, you know, it, it wasn't a sort of fancy boarding school. It, it was a it was a really great boarding school with an amazing um, amazing headmaster and. And I think um, you know. Whereas a lot of these places, you know, you're put on a production line, and they want you all to do the same thing. Right. It really did recognise people and 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 what they did differently. Most people who weren't necessarily the most academic or the ones that were looking to become a doctor or a lawyer, uh, they were really good on the sports field. Uh, I neither wanted to be a doctor or, or, or a lawyer, and I wasn't very good at um, <laughs> wasn't very good at rugby or football. Right. Um, so... so it
0: is prison for you then. <laughs> it,
1: could, it could have been. It could have been. And I you know and I think that. Um, I think that's sort of probably like a lot of peers, you know, if there's two two things really happen, I guess. I, you know, I experienced hotels as a kid and, you know, these were, you know, we're talking, you know, places in, you know, Devon and Cornwall, you know, possibly Spain, you know, probably when, you know, my parents had had a good year. So this isn't like, you know, far-flung glamorous places because they were paying for my education. But I just became sort of fascinated with hotels and how they worked and, you know, people's interaction and, you know some of it was like the people side and some of it was just the mechanics of, you know, this place has lots of guests and every day, like Groundhog Day, the whole thing starts again. And, yeah. and I became fascinated by it. And I'm sure like a lot of people, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, if when my parents had, you know, people over for dinner parties or drinks, I just naturally just wanted to be the person sort of helping and, you know, whether that be serving drinks, helping with the cooking. So so I, I, I guess I always sort of felt that perhaps there was something that, that, um, you know, that, that would suit me in this business. And um, I guess the story where it all starts to play out was I was a weekly um, I was 15 years old and uh, I grew up west of Birmingham and um, I happened to be, you know, I, I, was, I was meeting somebody but I was walking through Birmingham and I remember looking up at this, um, you know, this this amazing sort of glass building and and it was the fairly newly opened um, Hyatt hotel and as someone very proud of my you know midlands heritage but recognizing that you don't generally see this type of building in birmingham i was like wow this is, right. this looks like you know the best hotel in the world yeah and so literally i i i found myself walking into the hotel which is sort of completely ridiculous when i think about it now because it's a saturday afternoon and sort of asking if anyone from, from at the time, personnel was there. And it just happened that there was this amazing lady called Sophia Chan, who happened to be on duty, who also happened to be the director of HR. Right. And I sort of pitched to her that, you know, I, I really loved hotels and could I do some work experience? So I think she sort of looked me up and down and went, so what, are you are going to do work experience just at weekends when you're not at school? And I said, yeah, I'd quite like to do that. And she went, yeah. Let's make it work. God, I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Do you know, the, the, there's a real, there's a great lesson there in being bold, like especially because you've you've got an intrigue level at this point, I suppose, more than a knowledge level of actually what goes on, but bold enough to go in and go, can I, can I get involved?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it was, you know, I think it was one of those things where I, you know, I suppose I, I looked at it in and thought, you know, this is clearly the best hotel in Birmingham, which of course at the time was quite a low bar. Right. Um, and this was, you know, an international company. And and she 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 basically assigned me to um to 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 the bell team, which again is probably like, you know, a very American sounding thing, you know, but in Birmingham it was like the Bell team, you know, what were the ring bells? But you know, but obviously these were the bell boys on, on the forecourt outside. And um they were mostly cousins who'd originated in Birmingham, ended up working in sort of big top hotels in in London and come back. So they basically took me under you know, took them took me under their wing and um and you know in my limited sort of Saturdays and Sundays for quite a long time, this of you know the, that began my 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 hospitality career. Right. Um and um, so yeah, so that's way where it all began, Phil.
0: Right. Goodness. Yeah, I mean I had no idea. I mean I, I did have a look on your LinkedIn profile as I as I tend to do for for information. You don't get everything on there, but I did see that property on the profile, but i had no no clues to the context of how someone ends up there doing that and actually for me the i i love that boldness that you had at that time and i think there's a that kind of fortune favors the brave approach to your career can really especially in the beginning can really pay dividends
1: yeah i, f- I think so and it's um, i suppose what, what what's really interesting about um sophia was that she you know she, she she'd come out of asia and you know, with groups like Hyatt, it's almost a case of when you get your first big leadership role, they're sort of you know they're probably going to send you somewhere far flung like Birmingham, right? Um, and and so so you had somebody that you know had had a you know amazing hospitality degree from um, University of um, sorry, in fact, um, but you know she she'd come over from sort of Hong Kong, and I guess I was going into the the sixth form, and you know I, I guess so you know one talks about signposting from a careers perspective and. You know the the school were trying to signpost everyone into again those more classical career routes with you know the appropriate university, and I you know and interestingly I, you know I, I was sort of thinking I, I'm not sure I'm not sure actually what potential I'm going to get by necessarily a a just following a generic course when I really believe I want to be in the hospitality business, mm. and secondly I was sort of questioning whether or not actually at that moment in time getting a degree would be the the right thing to do. Yep. So what ended up happening was that um I managed to get myself a place at Oxford Poly, as it used to be called for it became Posh and became Oxford Brooks. Um, <laughs> and um but then I decided actually i I'm gonna take the equivalent of a of a gap year and I'm gonna go and in essence start at the you know start at the higher on full time and Sophia had sort of built in essence like a training plan for me. And she really believed that I would get more from a more practical, you know, orientation to initially front office. You know, I'd, I'd done some other other work in the meantime at the other hotels and sort of dabbled with um, dabbled with food and beverage, only to believe very quickly that you know my, my destiny was probably not in food and beverage and probably in rooms. Right. Uh, and I remember you know, time my headmaster was of saying, oh, "I can't believe you, you, you let him aside. Damn, there's no you know, no one. You, everyone really? else, everyone's right. going to university." Whereas, of course, I you know, I started and I. I I'm not sure I could do it again today. I think it was probably just timing. I think there's always a bit of luck. But I was just determined to sort of show that actually I could do this and actually have potentially a successful career in hospitality by by taking potentially an alternative route to what others did.
0: Yeah, well, I, there's no right or wrong way to do it, right? I, I, I think the key thing as well is at that point, I think it's one thing to have that intrigue level as a, as a kid. And it's wonderful that you kind of had that from... A very early age to be honest from all the people that I've spoken to on this podcast you can probably count them on one hand but it's then another thing to to go into it and then still have that connection to it because obviously there could be worlds apart from what you think it's going to be and what it is going to be so I guess fortuitous in some way but again fortune favors the brave you've given it a go and you're so you're now were you immediately
1: hooked? Yeah 100% and I think I, I even then, which, which is probably a common theme to, to I think, how to be successful in our business is, you know, trying to trying to meet people, you know, build a relationship with maybe with someone that's more senior than you, and having the confidence to believe that actually you're going to learn something. And and I remember between, um, you know, Sophia, the GM, there were a couple of other people that have been ar- been around at the, the Hyatt, and then onto the, I'll, I'll talk about the next hotel, but then the next place I went to. But I believe that actually, if I could if I could sort of learn from people and just ask. What might be like really dumb questions, um you know that would also help me maybe take a view on how do I get to where I want to get to and and, and I guess i I suppose I was probably in the last of the call it the you know the, the the people coming up through the business who could see general managers that were either from a food and beverage background or from a room's background, and of course, I was starting to ask myself questions i'm like well is that only is that the only way? to become a GM or a leader of a business. And so right. I got a lot of insight from people you know who who had maybe a bit more open mind about actually, you know, maybe in the future people won't be GMs that started in rooms or f and
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose that, that inquisitive mind obviously seems to be playing a bit of a part here as well. There's a, a saying that somebody told me at the beginning of my career, which was the, the only stupid question was the one you didn't ask.
1: I completely agree.
0: Something like that. So yeah, you, it sounds like that applying that methodology to your career in terms of maybe you're beginning to get a sense of who you want to become you're already already talking about leadership uh, at that point so now your brain is beginning to try and fill in the blanks of how do i how do i get there
1: yeah and i, and I think i think it was interesting because i suppose it, again it's it, if if you look back then uh, you know as, as a you know boy from west of birmingham you know it's like wow it's the best hotel in the area but I, you know, but I, I follow my mind about, you know, what, what, you know, I, the, the world is, you know, beyond where I am today. So, 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 actually, from there, I ended up, in some ways, taking what, on paper, you'd sort of said was a really dumb thing to do. But um, I, I moved from the hire with their blessing because their their structure was quite you know you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this right yeah, yeah. um and I ended up working uh we were well, taking a role at the Grand Hotel in Birmingham, which um actually um later in my career, we actually had the opportunity with principal to actually buy back that hotel really? after it' been closed for years right. and actually refurbish it and and after we'd sold it, reopen it so but when i when I worked there it was it was you know. The grand was a sign um versus actually. Grand entitled, Grand One Hotel. But 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 taking on that sort of, you know, that sort of role around, you know, mentorship, um, you know, the GM at the time, um, you know, he he you know, he was he was quite proud that you know I'd left the hire to come and you know, I was like, Oh my god, my uniform doesn't look as good as the old one and the hotel's not as good. You know, but he was he was one of those people that was a bit like, you know, he said, and and I think you know, at the time I thought, wow, this is an amazing opportunity, but really I was missold. Um, you know, I was miss-old, <laughs> <laughs> young and naive, and and he's and he was Portuguese, um, Mr. Constantina, and he said, Mr. Taylor, he said, I think you are ready to uh, to do nights, and so on nights you will learn a lot. And I thought I probably will, um, but clearly, Not wrong, yeah. Uh, actually, this was all aroused because really, I think what he was he he had a you know he had a night manager, but he clearly couldn't find anyone to basically cover the two days that the night manager right. wasn't doing, so. Yeah, uh, you know, at the time I think I was a shift leader, and so I was sort of. So actually, it it, it, it was ridiculous, but brilliant, <laughs> because I ended up doing three days on front desk in a supervisory role. I was doing two nights on nights, and of course, my body clock was completely shot. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. because all all of my friends, you know, were sort of going right. Do you want to come to the pub? I am like, No, actually, no. I need to go home and get changed. And go to work, you know. But yeah. but rather than doing you know a sort of as as you probably see these days, you know, four days on, four days off, or five and two. You know, I was doing you know three days, two nights, and just dead for two days, <laughs> trying trying to recover. But but again, what it what it you know, and it, it wasn't a calculated move. It's just more about well, you know, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Um, but but then suddenly, you know, you you, you think about hotels, and um, you know, I always joke about this with, with the teams today, and I'm like, you know, where's the management of the hotel normally? It's like, well, they're all here from you know eight on Monday till so, you know. Six on a Friday, and you know, they'll probably pop in at the weekend. I might, and then you think to yourself, actually, you know, there's like two or three people covering nights, and you've got 350 guests, you yeah. know, And I was, I was young, I was like, I was young and I had no idea, but you know, but you suddenly like, I'm in charge, and then yes. all of the things that you know go with being on nights versus being on days, yes. It's like,
0: um, there's one thing that springs to mind, which is alcohol,
1: <laughs> Al- alcohol, yes, yes, uh, and um, people,
0: and uh, and the people they become. Under the influence <laughs> yes
1: yes yeah there's, there's there's a couple of people who you know who who I remember quite vividly um one I'll I'll, I'll just call Mr. Smith because it sounds like a good that's fair sh- good enough. Generic name. generic yep. you know Mr. Smith, when I was on you know, on the day shift, whether that be you know on on, on checkout or on arrivals and um yeah, he was a really lovely you know insurance broker from I think from Liverpool. Him. Oh not that, Mr. Smith. <laughs> so you <laughs> met him. Um anyway, this Mr. Smith, you know, I think he was as shocked as as I was when, of course, he didn't know I was on nights and then appeared, you know, in a dress on right. Tuesday <laughs> with some company. So um yeah, so it was probably yeah. my that was probably my first sort of like ah, ah. <laughs> People come to hotels to do things they can't do at home, <laughs> and if you can do it on expenses because you're working midweek, even better. Yeah. So yeah, so that was definitely a you know that was definitely a bit of an eye opener.
0: But it's a, it's such a great training ground, though, isn't it? Like for life generally, especially uh, as a young person. Like like I still remember fondly my time on nights uh, on cruise ships, which, as you can imagine, is you know you're talking about uh, a hotel with 200 300 bedrooms. you're talking about a moving piece of. Persons, yeah. Uh, metal with uh, yeah a lot of people and generally speaking the the age category was a little bit older so you don't have super late nights but some of the things that you see and therefore learn how to deal with uh, when you're on nights I would say to anybody who's wanting to uh, have a career in hotels do a stint on nights even if it's just for three months what you'll learn in that three months is just incredible.
1: 100% And, and, and you know when when I was GM, I when I became a GM, I, I was more conscious of the fact that actually I would, you know, always go and see the night manager. You know, the night teams always got left out when you had, you know, staff events. So, um, you know, certainly in in, in in my in my previous lives, and I'm continuing to be a great, you know, sort of champion is making sure that the nights teams are really looked after because you know you you don't have them on your leadership team, but frankly, they are the closest thing to your leadership team because they're. They're either going to help you sleep or not sleep, right? yeah. and that's you know that's that's pretty obvious. But I think a lot of people and a lot of leaders in hotels forget that.
0: Yeah, well, and and why does somebody come and stay in a hotel apart from doing the things? <laughs> <can't> do <at laughs> yes, it's um, for a good night's sleep, generally speaking, wherever they are you are in the world. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So from there at the Grand, yes. you're doing a your stint on nights, your two days and. <laughs> A little bit all over the place. Uh, what what happened next?
1: Yeah, so so um, uh, a, couple, a couple of things happened. I, I, the, um, the, the 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 deputy GM at the time had had grown up in in sales, and um, and she sort of said to me, she said, you know, have you you know have you thought about you know your really great guests? Have you thought about potentially sales? And and again, you know, you, you, as I mentioned, you know, sometimes you have this sort of. This conditioned sort of thought on, you know, if you want to be a leader in a business, you've got to go up an, a, an obvious route. And and she said, you know, you should think about this. And she said, but I don't. I think you're ready to do something else. And um, and, and, and this is a the, the brief version. You know, I I I saw a, a an advert in, in, in at the time. It was a, you know the hotel and caterer magazine. And for so the name the name was changed yep. to the caterer. And um, and it was basically looking for, um, simplistically, junior junior salespeople to join. At the time, the company was called Jarvis Hotels, and um, you know, great, you know, founded by John Jarvis. Obviously, an amazing history with Hilton. Assembled, um, you know, a really fabulous senior leadership team. I don't think any of it on there would mind me saying that probably, you know, the leadership team was probably better than quite a lot of the hotels. But they were, you know, right. but um, <laughs> but it sort of felt like an opportunity to potentially to. to to almost the fact they were looking for you know junior ops people to come and do you know a field based sales role which again sort of took me out of my comfort zone because I've been used to you know being in uniform being in a hotel yeah and I went through you know went for an interview process and um and and again the the guy I was working for Adrian he um he'd come through ops and ended up in sales and so he was obviously a champion for sort of saying you know no actually you know business leaders should come from sales so uh, so I joined them and um had a really fun couple of years and from there, joined Forte when Forte was still Forte Hotels before yeah, obviously, yep. Rocco t- took it back. Um, quite an odd time because it was a, sort of the back end of the period Granada owned it. And, um, and again, it, I wouldn't say I've been completely tactical, but I've been working on sort of business travel and corporate customers, and the role at Forte was actually more on the leisure side. But, and again, I, and I've always, uh, even to this day, I've always sort of maintained, you know, whereas people would sort of say, you know, I've done something there logically, you go for the more senior role, same category, whereas I was like, I know nothing about leisure that feels like you know something I should understand, and, yeah. and so zigzagged sort of you could say from 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 Jarvis into forte and then i I suppose that probably marked a point where I really you know I was having a lot of fun i, I I'm not suggesting I was like trying to map my you know sort of route to general management, senior management. Well, I thought, OK, I actually probably need to have a bit of a plan here. Um, right. Well,
0: that's, that's interesting to hear that because, the, again, no perfect way to do this. But I think it is always useful to have some idea in the direction that you're, that you're heading. And I guess as well, at this point in time in your career, you, you're beginning or you have had a bit more experience in a few different spaces. So you can now start to maybe see a path in your mind as to how you might actually get there. Even though you're having fun at the same time.
1: Yeah, I, and I think Phil, what what happened was, and again, and I think you know, I think I think less so today, and I caveat that by saying that clearly, you know, we, we talked about it before we started the interview. You know, it is the industry continues to be difficult to hire people, and certain parts of our business are even harder to hire into certain disciplines. But I sort of, um, you know, I, I was I was sort of I, I was based in, in, in Forte's head office. I really thought, okay, I, I really fancy like you know getting into a you know to a London hotel. But you know, you can imagine. You know, we're, we're talking like late '90s. There was a huge amount of sort of snobbery about, particularly at the top end of the market, where you know, if you, you were only going to get considered for a role, if you would come from, you know, a place down the road which looked looked the same. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, um, right. so I, I had at the time a couple of friends who worked with Terence Comram, and obviously at the time it was sort of like Cool Britannia. You know, Comram was doing all of his restaurants, all those classics like you know Mezzo and 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 and, and Quaglino's and such like. And there was suddenly this news about, you know, Terence Comeran opening his first hotel, which was which was going to be at um, Liverpool Street. And so I managed to um, get an interview and the MD, amazing guy called Nicholas Retty and Liz, the hotel manager, and and, and sort of, um, you know, I turned up and probably they they were trying to get, you know, get recruiting a full team for an opening, which of course you've got a gun to your head. So, so maybe they were less probably, you know, focused on. You know, did you work down the road or which hotels? You know, but it was more about what right. can you bring and you know. Can you start? Can no. you start and can, can <laughs> yes. you and can you roll your sleeves up? Yeah, and um, and so so that I, I sort of again none of this is strategic, to be clear. But I like the idea of being part of an opening because I thought actually, wouldn't it be great? Sort of, you know, to rather than you know, you're you're there in the hotel open five years, ten years, a hundred years before, you can actually be there at the beginning and really see. You know how you should do it, how you should do it, how you should build it, yeah, so I became part of that you know pre opening team. We were sitting in an office uh the other side of Tower bridge. It was always felt like you know the longest walk from Tower Hill to the office, and then suddenly we moved on site and and you know going back in the day and you know I know you're a you are know, a Liverpool street uh, commuter you know back in the day you know there was there actually wasn't any hotels in the square mile. So, so the fact that you had, you know, Terence Conrad, who was, you know, known for his design, known for his restaurants and bars, you know, opening in 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 sort of a square mile where you know you had all the banks, the insurance companies, yeah. and, and this thing was, you it know, can't too, really fail. No, well, that was that was a <laughs> thi- that was a theory, um, but <laughs> you know, but it was also, like, you know, but but also it was a time where, um, and you know, the city's changed, Canary Wharf's changed, but you know, pretty much if you were senior and you did your day job at Liverpool Street, you know, you you did your work there. And if you were entertaining, you'd say, "Oh, let's go to St James's, let's go to Mayfair." And then you know, we, you know, we were collectively trying to open something which would, which would really actually give people a reason to, um, you know, to, to want to be in 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 the city. Mm. And so the fact it had four restaurants, three bars, it had a members club, which I guess some of the irony was that you know if you were you know a city banker. You would not be allowed into the members' bar because the idea at the time was to try and forge closer links with the artists that lived in Hoxton and Shoreditch and right, actually right, try right. and make the hotel feel more credible. So yeah, so 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 you know, um, the doors opened um, again. There was half a playbook. I think you know there was probably a clear playbook on the on the restaurant side because Comrade was there on the hotel side. We sort of had a hunch of what we would do and and, and the doors opened and um <laughs> got
0: a general idea. Yeah, got a general idea. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, we sort of you know,
1: we the working the working theory was we'll be busy during the week and probably quite quiet at the weekend. You know, that proved to be true. Yeah. And and you know, and, and from there that was my you know, that was my first first opening. And I you know, I guess if I track the last, you know, twenty years, I guess really what I've ended up doing in different guises, different roles is lots of openings and and repositioning of hotels, and I I just, after the Great Eastern, I just got the bug, you know, it was was just, you know, and and it's... um,
0: Why do you think that is? Do you think that, because there's an element of what you said earlier, perhaps, of you being able to get stuck in at the beginning of something, not have to come in and fix something that somebody else has done, I guess, but I I know you've had lots of experience of that as well, but yeah, what what do you think it is that, that kind of really sings to you about that
1: in the main i think that the so sean wheeler legend of the people world who i know you've you've interviewed yeah sean and i sort of came up with this analogy when we worked together about authors and editors and how different people are better suited to different roles and and i guess what you know we 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 nicked that analogy from someone else but we've we've used it and i now use it, that's now still use it. Yeah. But if I'd have known that analogy, I, I suppose and I'd translate it back to the Great Eastern. I think what you have were a load of people that were, you know, top of their game, people like Nicholas Retty, amazing guy. And you had lots of people that were like rising stars, you know, fast tracked, and there were people that were winging it, but everyone was you know, everyone was like committed, but they all had a they all had a vision for what this hotel was gonna be. And the things are almost outside of the the day job of uh, you know, serving guests, servicing rooms, the, the sort of more cultural side, which actually would help position the hotel strategically. Mm. And I think for me, I think being part of that, you you know, you you felt completely, you know, you were you were you were drinking the Kool Aid. And I think you you always felt that by being there, I think I suppose two things. I Suppose you know, I always think if you do two years as part of an opening team, I think it's like, but like probably potentially dog years. It's like the equivalent of five <laughs> years being in another hotel because yeah. you just it just happens and. You don't realize at the time, but you know, you're like, okay, it's not working, right? Pivot, what are we going to do? Next thing. And I think actually, when you do an opening, and, and certainly I can, you know, if I like charted through all the openings and repositions I've done, you generally find that first team is the tightest team you're going to work with. And, uh, you know, if I think about the Great Eastern, you know, there's just a, a dozen people who are, you know, I regularly keep in touch with, and they're people that I've ended up working with again, whether or not you know, they've hired me, I've hired them. But you just have this sort of camaraderie of, of, you know, sort of everyone wanting to to do the same thing. And I think, I'm not saying you can't get that when you are, you know, the the six management team going into an existing hotel. But it's just a different vibe. It's harder to maintain and pull that culture together. Um, and that's that's what I guess, and that's probably where I got hooked on, you know, on the opening thing. because I just saw it as something, you know, just I was like, you know, this is really special.
0: Yeah. Plus, uh, there's probably something deep within your psyche around the the opportunity to get it wrong. You know, like, yeah. you, you know, and I, I mean that in the, the the most positive way that you can mean something like that, in the sense that you're not going to purposely do something wrong, but actually, you know, you can use all the logic and all of the statistics and all of the analytical work that you can ever get in the world but when it comes to a new opening, there's still this element of you got to kind of rip up the rule book and also see what happens. Yeah. And and maybe that's a, a, that that thing has always intrigued me because there's always this. It's not even a fear of the unknown; it's almost welcoming that unknown quantity.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're absolutely right. I think um, yeah, you know, I, th- I think um, I think the mistake I've always made, and probably particularly as I moved into more senior roles, is Particularly if a great opportunity came up, I'd be the guy that has like done the you know the the two and a half years hard graft. You know, oh, this, this the opening's longer. We're open, you know, and you know that in the first twelve months, you know, the PL is going to be a nightmare. You're trying to work out how to balance right number of people in the right place, trying to get the right level of you know quality, luxury. You know, and then something comes up, and you end up then handing the keys to somebody else. You know, particularly when you're a GM, and you're like. Right. Oh, I'm, (laughs) I'm going to go off and chop some more logs and, um, here's a great hotel. Enjoy it. (laughs) And I haven't quite managed to get to a point in my career yet where I actually just sort of sit back and just sort of go. Isn't
0: this great? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it'll come. Maybe, <laughs> it'll come. maybe. But, maybe. Um, so, at the Great Eastern, what was your role there? What were you doing? So, so,
1: I was, I was in essence, I, I actually had two stints there. I, I actually, I first time around, I was like in at an equivalent number two in sales. Right. And and then from from there, I ended up going to open the first Sofitel in London, and I went to open that as, as director of sales and marketing.
0: Right. Okay. And that would be the Saint James. James. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. That's your first number one, in inverted commas, position within within sales. How did you manage that transition, or did it just kind of feel like it came quite naturally? Um,
1: yeah, really good question, Phil. I, th- I think it was so, So I guess, um, there's always a sort of twist to, not necessarily my stories, but the experiences at the time, and you look back at it and go, wow, that was weird, or wow, that was really logical. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess, you know, Sofitel, very, very different today, but you know you know the hotel, it is a stunning hotel, yeah. great location. Accor's at that point very different now with Ennismore and all the all the luxury stuff they're doing with Raffles etc. But at the time, you know, this was a big thing for for Accor because really, you know, outside of this, you know, great prop, you know, great solid properties, but they're mostly Novotel, Zeeba, etc. Yeah, well,
0: so, Sofitel at the time would have been their kind of only that, marquee that brand, that. I exactly. guess. Yeah, that yeah, was it. Yeah. was there. You yeah. know, and I
1: guess Meridian at the time was better known, so it was almost like it's the cousin. You know, it's like the Accor cousin of of Meridian. So yeah. I guess the fortunate thing was I I went in and. Because you were part of a big brand, you know you were less controlled than, for example, if you were in a Novotel. but you know you were ultimately part of a big brand. So you had a lot of people sitting at the head office who wanted to be involved with your hotel, particularly because it was, frankly, nicer than most of the other hotels at the right? time. Right, yeah, well,
0: flagship, we'll call it. We'll call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So.
1: Um, so I suppose to some degree, I had a relatively small team, which allowed me to make mistakes, pick myself back up again but equally have that central structure where if you didn't necessarily have all the answers you know you 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 can make mistakes but equally you could go listen I really don't know what I'm doing on this here you know or or really could someone help me out on this and yeah. so I think actually that was a good environment to to go in and actually sort of call it learn on the job. You know, and of course being a branded environment, you know, there are a lot more SOPs and, you know, things, you know, you follow this map and you know, at least you won't get too far, you know, off off that way. And so yep. it was a fun experience. Um, you know, and, and again, lots of you know lots of fun. You know, I guess the um I suppose you know the uh, outside of a great hotel. You know, Fred as at the time was um, the um, the brasserie manager. Um, Goodness <laughs> gracious me! You know, look at him now. You know, he's on the TV, and yeah. <laughs> the rest of us are still chopping logs. <laughs> but um, but it was a, you know, again. It was again. Each time you did that, did that opening. You know, you're a bit like, what do I do next? What do I do next?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I suppose as well as a number one again. I use inverted commas in sales. That is, it sounds like actually having the the backup of a a head office brand to be there and kind of capture you if you're you're know, stepping outside of your comfort zone too far it's actually quite was quite useful at that time for you it sounds like
1: yeah it, it wasn't and i think that i i i was you know again i i was fortunate that you know between you know the the second gm there um, was was an amazing guy uh, huge jacke and 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 um he lives in portugal these days retired and um but again, he was always looking at you know what what can I do to support you not beyond you know you making you a better person but actually what what are the what are the tools you're going to need in your toolbox from a you know personal and professional development perspective and and certainly that's that's where um you know I I met some some people you know people like Anne Styles who, who's a great 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 lady you know who who does a lot of sort of mentoring facilitation for salespeople and you know certainly ever since that point as I you know as I work my way further up the greasy pole you know. Of course, and would be my only go to to help us with you know creating great sales teams. So you you know you learn you know you're always trying to pick up things and 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 go as you learn. But mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't until later, which maybe we'll talk about later, but I, I sort of I realised that actually as as I was progressing that you know potentially there were some things that by not opting to go and do a degree. There was probably going to be some things that at some point I'd have to try and work out how do I how, right, do, how right, do I right. how do I fill out some of the gaps that I can't necessarily get by that that sort of day to day on the job on the job work blagging
0: it <laughs> I, I, yeah you know, I'd like to say
1: four you know it's a bit a little bit more than that but probably more about you know you know no one you know no one hands you a book to say how to be a great manager how do you become a great leader no
0: indeed and in, and in fact you know you can't learn that in a classroom you need the experience right you need to to, to get that wrong so that you know how next time when that situation comes up you know, you, you're in a better position to be able to deal with it and that just comes with practice really not yeah, a, not true. a book okay so this was a, a a also i suppose still with the objective in mind that you had uh, aspirations to uh, you're pretty heavily into aspirations now of becoming a gm is that
1: Do you know, i i i'll be honest at that stage i really wasn't sure and I met there were you know there were a couple of really great people at Accor in the head office who I would call are just you know, legends who had been you know up and down Park Lane had been in every hotel as DOSM and I guess maybe that maybe there was a I'm not sure I was 100 percent clear in my mind but I think I maybe had a bit of a oh okay well, there you know there is a possibility if I stay in sales and I continue to stay in sales for probably about another four, five four or five years that you know. I might just be, you know, your, you know, just to remain in sales, and particularly at a time, you know, I was quite happy living in London. You know, you could end up just going, okay, I'm going to an next hotel, better hotel, different hotel, opening hotel, and you know, there could be an element of samey samey. So mm. that definitely was logged in my head, Phil. But I, you know, but I, but at the time, I, I, t- I took, I, I took an opportunity to go and take over two hotels as a DOSM. Um, so at the time, it was the Carlton Tower and the Lounge in Knightsbridge. Right. You know, and and. um uh, Derek Pico, who was a GM at the time, you know, fun, really fun, great guy, uh, lots from him. And, um, you know, but I had this sort of thing, maybe, maybe I had this, I don't know, maybe I had this sort of reckoning in my mind where, you know, the Sofitel was a really good five-star hotel. You know, it's not, it wasn't trying to be the Savoy, but it was a really solid, you know, five-star property. And I think maybe there was something in my mind, I, and I think I only had that once in my career where, where I probably thought, you know, maybe I should go and work somewhere, you know, that's, you know, you know, it's in the top, you know, top ten. You know, somewhere I can see a different type of customer. And and Derek at the time had moved from Forte Meridian, and I'd known him. i I'd, I'd done I'd been seconded for a couple of months when I was at Forte out to Heathrow, which was another experience in its own right. And Derek was the GM there at the time.
0: You're saying up with a smile on your face. There's clearly a story there. But <laughs> there may be <laughs> maybe,
1: one later, maybe one for later. But um, but, um, but 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 I I sort of felt you know I I thought you know I really should go and you know. If I've you know, been at Softel, maybe this is the thing where maybe I should do what everyone said, you know, you can't do and go to the next thing. So I went I went over to um, to, to work with Derek at the Carlton. Tower. The hotel was owned by uh, Dubai Holdings, but it was in that sort of slightly weird time where Jumeirah was obviously super well-known in Dubai. The hotel had historically been a, the Kanton had historically been a Park Hyatt. And there was a sort of debate about, you know, should we put a Jamira branding on the hotel? Shouldn't we? And, and the view was almost the, you know, again, lots changed now, but at the time it was a case of well, maybe the the sort of potential Dubai ownership may not play out well when you're trying to get high end travellers from North America. So, but 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 what I you know I, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun then. I think we you know we we achieved a great deal in a relatively short time, but i I think what I recognized was, and I think it's really important for people that are working their way you know through you know our world, is actually if something's not right, you should call it and not be embarrassed or you know think that it's not the right thing and I think what I realized was that you know in at that particular moment of time, I just didn't really enjoy that. I'm going to call it traditional Knightsbridge luxury. Um, okay. you yeah. know, it, it it didn't resonate with me really well. um yeah. Love the parking space in Sloane Street. That was good.
0: <laughs> but that <laughs> that's that's a massive, massively important part of building a career, though, isn't it? Is that it's very rare you find somebody who has made perfect choices every single step of their career journey. But actually, the ones that are an error, you take. As much learning from those as you do from the ones that are perfect for you.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. And, and you know, and, and you know, still really good friends with Derek to this day. But I I could see the harder I was trying to do things probably the way I thought it should be done, I, f- I felt that probably I was working against probably the traditional way of how things needed to be done in a different world. Right. And actually, you know, it, it's... You know, it was absolutely sort you of know, my my decision. But I said to Derek, I said, I think I you know, I think I need to go back to 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 a more you know more modern sort of lux- luxury space. Yeah. So and actually ended up at the time, which had a twist. I you know, Nicholas Retty asked me to go back to the Great Eastern as as DOSM. And again, I I sort of you know and I was I was always at the time I was a bit like, well, oh, do you go back somewhere twice? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And yeah, you know, he persuaded me and sort of said, well, actually, you know, the role you're doing now compared to the role you did is fundamentally different. And and at the time, Phil, the idea was that um Terence would build on the successes of the Great Eastern and do more, do more hotels. Right. But yeah, sadly, I think for, for probably a lot of the people that felt very strongly about this of Great Eastern, um the there were two shareholders and, and, and the American shareholders decided they wanted to sell out. And so um we we ended up selling the hotel uh, ironically to Hyatt. And did, <laughs> yes. So um so you know I, I I sort of um we we you know we were all kept on, you know, but it was obviously clear with with obviously my early endeavors of Hyatt, you know, I was interested to see what they they thought about it. And I think today we know the hotel as Andaz, and obviously Andaz is is, is a really great brand and obviously is, you know, is all over the world, but at the time they bought the hotel they were really not sure what brand it would fit into. Right. And so I was getting married that year, and um, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Simon, who, who, who's, who actually worked at the Great East and Early, Early Doors and runs a very successful restaurant business, had sort of um, he, he, he sort of said to me, he said, oh, you know, um, he said, um, I, I'm, I'm going to do a restaurant at this new concept called the Hoxton. And he said, and Sinclair and, and, and uh, Beecham, who, who was co-founder of pret you know, really needs someone to help him, and, and Stephen, who at the time was was, was the opening GM. So you know, I, I I was sort of thinking, okay, I'm I'm not really sure where this whole Hyatt thing leads in terms of you know, I guess my baby that I've been with twice, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I sort of you know I went up and met um, Sinclair and, and 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 Stephen, and um, they were like, right, it's July, uh, we need to open this thing in mid August. Um, we don't, <laughs> we don't, you know, we've got a few roles filled. Uh, cool. You, yeah, <laughs> and it was literally it was a case of you know, was, you know, you, you um. You know, um and Sinclair was brilliant and uh, you know he was a bit like you know, he said, today you are um a director of sales and marketing with a very large team in a quite a fancy hotel. He said, This is going to be a really fun hotel, and I'd like you just to he said, We can work out what you want to be called, but I just need someone who's gonna do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so let's
0: call it as it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so we um you know, we've you know, that's definitely the quickest I've I've ever opened a hotel and um but um and Sinclair had amazing vision because he was someone, obviously, you know, if you if you go back to when he he created Pret with Julian Metcalf, who who obviously these days runs Itzu, you know, and you hear the stories of, you know, you know Julian making the sandwiches, Sinclair on the till. Uh, and Sinclair had this sort of vision for this, um, you know, we always used to joke and say like the original Hoxton was like, you know, a premiering on steroids, you know, it's sort of, it, it yeah. was a you know, it was it was it was built in the same fashion as as you would have a frankly a budget hotel, yeah. but then he he had a really really clear vision of what he wants to do with the public spaces and the restaurants and you know getting away from hotel offs, you know like expensive telephone calls, minibars, you know. But you know he had a clear vision in mind, but in terms of actually opening the hotel, it was like crikey, we got to get this done in a month. So yeah, it was how do hand- you like an opening? I do like an opening. <laughs> Phil. I do like an opening. Um, and actually, it's probably then. I think probably I was, I I, I probably became aware of, you know, surreptitiously that, you know, I, particularly when, you know, we had a gun to head, we were opening this thing in a month. Yeah. And I was like, right, I really need people around me who are frankly better than me because if we're going to try and do everything. Just having lots of people looking for directions not going to work. So I managed. Um, my my wife at the time was working uh, for Malmaison and 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 she um she had a great sales coordinator called Olivia, and I managed to persuade Olivia to come over. And my wife seemed to care about that. So I was like, great, we got someone someone to join me in sales. and, yeah, then, and the manager safe yeah, exactly. And yeah. then we started to build up this team. You know, the hotel opened. Um, uh, you may recall that you know we did some really crazy stuff like the one pound sale, which was this sort yeah. of. Um, God, I yeah which, which, I, which I look back at now, like you know I, I start feeling you know, some sort fu of, sort of, start sweating, um but there was stuff that just really broke the mold of 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 frankly hotels, and we got it open and you know the place got busy quite quickly, and you know um when I'd started talking to a few of the corporate customers from the Great Eastern and said to them you know what, you know how, how do you feel about you know using using the Hoxton, and they were like, Where's that? I was like, well come out about Liverpool Street turn left instead of turning right yeah and it took a real period of time because I was a bit like, Shoreditch, Shoreditch? We're not, we, we can't have our guests stay in Shoreditch. But over the first few months it started to get busy and, and Stephen then announced he was going to go and um, take on another role. And Stephen had been for years with ISG, a real, you know, real legend, he's a great guy. And um, I remember sort of Sinclair sitting me down and and, um, and I genuinely thought, because Sinclair always said to me, you know, well, look, I, I probably can't afford your salary so after a few months we'll have to have a grown up conversation about what happens next. Mm. So I sort of went into this conversation thinking, right? Um, yeah, basically, he's going i am now being cut off the payroll. Yeah. And Sinclair, because he wasn't a traditional hotelier, he—he he said he said, "I'll be thinking about this." He said, "I, I think you should be a general manager." I said, "Why do you think that?" <laughs> he said, "Well, I've never understood—I've never understood why um, why hotels generally have general managers that grow up in food and beverage or rooms, when actually, if you don't have any top line." It's irrelevant about your rooms and your F and B because you've got no customers. Yeah, and in in a really perverse way, Phil, I'm not too deep on this stuff, but but it linked me all the way back to almost the beginning of my thought process about maybe you don't need to be coming from a traditional, you know, sort of F and B or rooms background to become a GM. Yeah, so that's called innovation, isn't it? I mean, at its Heart, yeah, and it, but and, but it was but in, in Sinclair's mind, you know, forget me as David, but in his mind, it was completely intuitive that someone with a good commercial, you know, handle on the hotel should be the gym, yeah, and that really was, you know, and I guess you know probably if 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 if, if you've got markers in your career of like you know, oh, okay, and that's clearly you know, and and I ended up staying staying at the Hoxton for six years,
0: and as you say as well, coming back to a comment you made. In that whole piece there, around you had made it clear to yourself that you needed to surround yourself with people who were better than you in certain things. Is that not leadership right there, though? In that kind of I, nutshell.
1: I know, I know it is now, but I didn't know at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, I just thought, shit. You know, if, if, yeah. if
0: we don't have good people <laughs> I need around to, us, need <laughs> people to make me look a bit better than I am. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, but but the wonderful thing about that period of time was i i always say to people it's like you know i felt like i was on a gap year for 6 years right my gap year extended out because we had so much fun and the hotel achieved amazing things and we were fortunate that you know i think when when people think about shoreditch and today we're sitting in shoreditch but you know shoreditch back in 2006 2007 you know was was very different to shoreditch today mm. and you, when you when you when you look at some of the challenges facing our industry today which are funny enough the same challenges back then you know we we still have this image issue about how to get people to come into our business and and the great thing about an environment like the hoxton because you know we were sort of you know we were sort of to some degree making up as we go along and and sinclair had this really amazing ability just to ask really difficult Awkward questions, which you know, and, and it was really good for me because you know, if you you, you know, you grew up in a hotel, and you should like, I, 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 this is how I do it, this is how I do it, yeah. And Sinclair was, a, you know, clearly a world class entrepreneur, and so yeah, you just know, just would ask why, yeah, and that's it. And yeah, yeah, and Sinclair couldn't deal with anything, I, I, I don't think you mind me saying this, but yeah, he couldn't deal with anything which was on more than one piece of paper. And if you didn't understand something, you'd be like, no, I don't understand simplify, it. no, I don't stand simplify, it. right? So it was actually a really good way to sort of, and it's helped me, I think, later in my career just to, to, to actually to. Constantly untangle things that either I don't understand or things where I think people are using BS and jargon if they don't actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but one of the one of the things that you know I, I think because um, you know you and I talked talked before in an interview about you know getting people into the business and I think the one of the things we you know we could just do there because you know we we you know ultimately it was it, it was Sinclair's you know, Sinclair was leading the business you know, he felt very strongly about, you know, we really need to hire people that, you know, don't know that hospitality could be a great job. And so we, um, you know, we did the obvious stuff. And New Germany found that, you know, obviously I always think, you know, hotels are the most wonderful melting pot of, of people from, you know, different backgrounds, nationalities. But we really felt strongly that, you know, on, on, on the one side of Shoreditch, you had, you know, the shining lights of the city. And on the other side of Shoreditch, you know, you you, you have some of the most deprived parts of London. And so we we took it upon ourselves. We we sort of thought, right, let's create an apprentice scheme. And we worked with an organization at a time called Shoreditch Trust. And we came up with this apprentice scheme. We were you know, again fairly naive in terms of probably what we thought we'd get out of it. You know, and I said to Sinclair, I said, Yeah, you know, look, I think going into this, we need to be really, you know, eyes wide open that, you know, we're not going to have a high success rate. Um and but in Sinclair's mind, he was like, that's fine, because we're going to help people. And even if we if we get a couple of people at the end of it who end up staying with us. Then you know we succeeded. Yeah, and if we end up with a couple of people who come to hotels and actually they, they decide that they don't want to do hotels, but we put them into employment and then they go and do something else, we've equally succeeded.
0: Yeah, great way to look at it. Yeah,
1: and that was really great. You know, at the time I look back at it, and we had some amazing trainees. Yeah, we had a few. You know, we had a few, few issues sort of going through it. You know, because again, we were you know we were ultimately trying to take some really you know super super kids you know in essence off the streets. And trying to you know put put them into something which could be a a, a long career for them.
0: Yeah, and I suppose at the time as well, you could totally do that in Shoreditch because effectively yeah. there's no rules there. I mean, I don't mean that's no disrespect to the area at all. But then if you take the more established areas of London at that time, they're less likely, probably in principle, to take a risk like that.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, and I think I think you know, but it's it's really interesting um, even today. I think that you, the the, the, the you know, if I, if I just look at today, in my the context of my current role, the people we hire at the Hotel in Shoreditch are very different to the team we have at Sea Containers, mm. and what they want from the role, what they want from a work-life balance is, is 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 very different. So I think equally, even today, you know, you can see that depending on where you are in London and how you're trying to hire and how you you know how how you hire different people that maybe don't have a hotel background that does then also, you know, you end up with, you know, some, some really great positives about that. But it's also like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that when I started hiring in this way.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: A very quick word, if you'll permit me, providing great customer
0: service is all about having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where our sponsor Rotacloud, can help. Rotacloud makes managing your team's rotors, attendance and annual leave easy. With its simple drag and drop planner, you'll be creating rotors for your team in minutes. While its built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rota out. One Rotacloud customer actually reported that they'd gone from spending 25% on their monthly turnover on wages to spending just 19%, all thanks to Rotacloud's intuitive rota planning software. So do your business a favour and head over to rotacloud.com forward slash phil to start your 30-day free trial and find out how much easier organising your team can be. Now let's get back to it. So, six years there. Six years there,
1: so the there was a, there was a there was a, quite a big group of shareholders, and there because you had a Sinclair was really leading the business, but but ultimately there were a lot of other shareholders, and and I think there was a, a, a private equity firm involved, um, uh, Bridges Ventures, who, um, who who were also almost at that point in their investment. They're saying, look, you know, if we if, if we can't do a lot more of these quickly, we need to. Exit our position, so so it was decided that that the hotel was going to be to be sold. Right. I so so my second hotel sale, <laughs> which is which again for people coming up through the industry is something you know you, you don't think you're going to be dealing with, but you do. Yeah. And um, we started meeting some people, and um, actually I, I met um, I met I met two people that will later have a, a, an influence on 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 roles that you know I'm, I've, I've been in. The first one was Ian Schrager. And Ian, you know. Nobody's heard of him. No, he's going to say some, yeah, I think he maybe, maybe had a couple of you know, hotels. Two bit hotelier. Exactly. Yeah. Um But, you know, the godfather of the boutique hotel mm. basically came to tour, to tour the hotel with a view of um, buying it to put into what is today his public hotel um, collection, of which he's got a place in New York. Uh, and, you know, and Ian charismatic, you know, lots and lots, you know, lots and lots of stuff. I was like you know, blown away because it's like, you know, you're, doing, you're talking to a megastar, you know, in our world. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember Ian saying to me at the end, you know, he's a bit like, you know, if, if we if we buy it, you stay. If we don't buy it, you need to come to addition. And um, so... I can
0: see where we're going here.
1: There is a link. <laughs> there, is a, there is a link. So it was funny how it all played out. Uh, and, and this, again, is a lesson of, you know, these things and, and, and certainly probably, you know, uh, People people talk about politics and politics are can be seen to be quite a bad thing. But you know there are politics in every business regardless of size. But yeah. but what I could I could see that the hotel was not going to be sold quickly. I had met the guy that eventually ended up buying it, Sharan Pastricia, who's obviously now you know took took the Hoxton and you know um, exploded exploded it, exploded it into yeah. into what it what it is today. And obviously uh, with the creation of Endersmore. But I decided that you know i, I couldn 't see a sale, and as much as I was loyal to um, to Sinclair and the other shareholders I just didn 't see how it was going to pay out Phil and I guess you know as much as I say it was an amazing fun six years you know i, I needed more um, yep. you know, and I'd been fortunate that during that time, I had applied for and was given a master in holder scholarship uh, and the great thing about this sort of scholarship was that in, in my mind this I, I thought this would help with, you know, and again, I've always been very conscious of probably where I'm at. I thought this would really help me because if I was awarded it, which I was successful to get, it would maybe help fill some of the gaps of maybe a more classical, you know, sort of degree yeah, education. Sure. Yeah. So um there were two courses or yeah, two courses for this. There was um there was Cranfield, um which obviously has people from all industries and there was Cornell, which has uh, all the wonderful hoteliers who or discussed, you know, who can do the best fruit basket. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, flippant, but, I, but I felt I felt for me, I'd get more from being, you know, with, with people that had similar jobs, but not necessarily in, in the hotel business. So, so that, that really helped me and that helped solidify my mind that actually I, I now needed to do the next thing after the Hoxton. So, um, so, so uh, as I mentioned, so Ian Ian made his comment. You know, I I I was approached informally, and of course you had the sort of yo-yo of Marriott and an addition. And you know, Ian was adamant that um, he wanted uh, non-Marriott people to come in to to, to do his the, the three, I'm going to call it you know flagship. Addition hotels, what you know one being London, which opened first, second being Miami Beach, and the third one being new york wow and yeah. so you know going through the um, you know go, going through the sort of you, know, the, you can imagine like you know I've been sort of in the independent space for a while and then going into like you know the marriott sort of um recruitment um, <laughs> recruitment regime. And, you know, psychometric tests, profiling, yeah. felt like 27 interviews. And I, you know, I, and I knew that I had Ian as, you know, almost like my, my champion in the background. But I didn't also want him to be, sort of like, the only reason I the got in here was yeah, because yeah. of him. But, yeah. um, but I had, I, I, you know, I, I managed to get into, you know, in, in, into its sort of edition. And, um, and it was sort of funny because, you know, it, it sort of, the first two editions had not gone well for a number of reasons. Right. <laughs> Good foundation then. <laughs> yeah, same thing. yeah. So, you know, uh, just Google early editions. And so there was a huge amount of pressure because Marriott had put um yeah, billions on its balance sheet to basically open these three editions to show the world that actually edition is a great brand and it could obviously as a, as a primarily a, you know, a manager versus an owner brand that could go far. Mm. So, I came on board, I was given a, you know, it's all, I was given a bit of a, you know, this is what you need to do. And I sort of you know, I turned up at Marriott's head office in Fetter Lane, red everywhere, you know, and, and they um they they sort of said to me, um, uh, this is John, uh, he's gonna be HR director. You won't understand Marriott, so he's gonna fill in the gaps and he's just come from St. Pancras, so therefore, you know, he's he's done something which is more lifestyle than we normally do. Go, right. f- go figure
0: <laughs> yeah well I, and well that was a hell of an opening uh, for for yeah. him there as well but uh, yeah that's a whole different story which we've already covered on this <laughs> podcast but um
1: yeah so you met John yep. so, well, yeah so right. yeah so so, so I met John and um we you know we we were really we were really lucky and I'm I'm not going to paint it all as you know sort of um rainbows and fairies but because it was this so I guess ultimate I won't say fear of making sure this thing was successful. You know, we were given all the resources we need. And I really, I genuinely think that we got the best of Ian and we got the best of Marriott. And and the great thing was that Marriott already had the Ritz-Carlton platform. And so they allowed us to sort of really to dive into, you know, we know how strong they are on culture. We know how strong they are on training. So it allowed us to really to tap into that sort of Ritz-Carlton service and right. and really... You know, modernize it into what we wanted Edition to be. Yeah, and is it um it Ritz
0: Carlton has the ladies and gentlemen serving? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now you know that they had the you know they had the sort of like the uh, they've got their credo. Uh, you know, we had a black card, which is a bit you know, it looked more like the black hammocks. You know, but it was you know, but but again, a lot of the sort of thought that had gone into creating the value sitting behind Edition. You know, there was very definitely a quite quite definitive nod to you know uh, a, you know Ritz Carlton who really do that that well. Yeah. So it, it was, um, you know, I could talk for hours about it, but I guess, you know, as a highlight, you know, it was we got the ability to hire the most amazing people. It was lots of fun, and you know, you just imagine, like you know, Marriott has job codes, and you know, we were hiring like a you know, director of nightlife, you know, lobby, all the things yeah, that you just don't have in. Fun it. With yeah. It. Yeah. And so we we really it really was the most I think um, I'm biased, but the most epic opening, which not only I think allowed you know, marry it to show that Edition could be a credible brand in the future and look how many hotels there are today. Yeah, yeah, and sure. I think that that thread has, has continued through. But I also think that Ian, who who I still consider, you know, someone I look up to, I see him when I'm in New York, I think for Ian, I think he was really proud of the fact that that we nailed the service. Because I think, you know, he, he'd he always managed to create these, you know, these, these spaces, amazing experiences yeah. and spaces. But I think that, you know, and it was always... Um, there was this thing about, you know, Marriott and Ian, like you know, the unlikely couple. But I think actually what Ian recognised was that we we could through, you know, like platforms training through through through, you know, Ritz Carlton and some of the other things we 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 used, we actually could nail the service. And I I remember, you know, him 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 sort of walking in and, you know, there's probably a the visit after the um after the opening party which we'd done during fashion week, you know, all the glitz and glamour and um I could just see there was like a smile on the corner of Ian's face. Where you just look around, and you can see he was proud of the fact that, you know, not only did everyone look great, the place felt great, but actually the service was like spot on. And yeah. I think, and I think that, and it was quite nice to see that in, in in a legend like Ian, who could really see that, you know, it was like great service nailed. Yeah,
0: and for an opening, again, you know, yeah. it's, it's one of the the things that is tough to get absolutely nailed on from day one. Absolutely. Um, so that begs the question then. How how did you do that? <laughs>
1: I think we. I think if I think if you look, if you, you know, if, I suppose if you uh, if you took the sort of like the mindset of a traditional log chart, we sort of you know we were quite strategic about where do we want people that have got you know good old fashioned experience. In other words, you know if you need a really good bartender, then you know you may not need the whole. Bar team to be you know to have worked at the American bar, but you're gonna have to have some backbone and you know substance there Yeah, so we literally mapped out almost where did we want people to come from and I think you know And again, I think it's much more common play today, but you know, but we you know, but we hired an art gallery um, on Charlotte Street and and you know, and we we you know, we did like we screened people you know and and the whole thing sounded slightly ridiculous, you know at times you're a bit like Oh yeah, with Charlotte Street online. that could have been a Wednesday night. You know, who's going to walk in? You know, but we, but we found that you know people were a bit, you know, so we, you know, we, it and again social media. You know, we're, we're talking, you know, we're not talking light years behind, but you know, lots moved on. But mm. but we were trying to, you know, build up almost a You know, you know. Was oh, the gallery just going along for drinks? You know, and you were just t- randomly picking people, talking to people. We had a bit of buzz in hotels, and all these people turned up. And in essence, we just had conversations with them. Right. And um, throughout these conversations, you know, they had a picture taken of them. And it was someone's job to make some notes. And then we sort of recapped, and sort of said, you know, they were great. And I'll give you, a, you know, one of the best examples. What was we we had our um, pre-opening office in Charlotte Street. There was a one of the guys um, who basically was giving out flyers for the Easy Easy Gym. Which was terrible, you know. <laughs> and so and but he was the most passionate guy about, you know, this this gym giving out flyers by the tube station. Well, I remember saying to John I'm like, if he's that passionate about a really lousy gym, we should put him on a door. So of course, we hired him, put him on the door, three years later it was still there. Right? And everyone right, you know, and he, yeah. would, you know, he was talking to everyone everyone walked past morning, 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 morning. And it was just I think so I think we just I'm not I'm not trying to say we're rocket scientists, but we just we just looked at it differently and just thought about, you know, rather Rather than hire the doorman from a traditional hotel who's just going to moan that the tips aren't as good because this is an opening hotel versus a hotel that's been open for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, you know, the guy from giving out the flyers for the gym. He's going to be really proud to work out, you know, at this hotel where he's part of something from the very beginning, going back to yep. my, you know, my opening analogy from earlier, and that's just where it—that that's really where it hit off.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's uh, kind of you know, as you say, get the backbone and foundation in play, but then. Branch out and do different things with everything else.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know, and I I really, I clearly, I still do now. And 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 you know, there's always, I guess, if you go back pre-COVID, there's always this noise about you know zero hours contracts. But you know, we were really, you know, like you know, we had a great lady called Claudia. She was Australian. She was fabulous. She was sassy. You know, but you know, she had a kid, and that meant that she she was restricted by a number of hours. And you know, it sounds again sounds quite normal today, but back then, you know, and it was like well. Could she not work forty hours? And, and John, who was a great champion for this, was like, "No, but she's going to be bloody brilliant between ten and 3.30. And guess what? We have a lot of people walking through on the way to the restaurant, on the way to the bar, coming yeah. in. So rather than have some sort of surly door person, you know, you, you had Claudia greeting you, who was just fabulous. And again, that was, and that's where probably I think at the time we just we just let stuff that instinctively felt right happen,
0: mm.
1: and it proved to work.
0: Yeah, it also shows you, I, I suppose, that you. You can't do that alone. You need other minds to get on board with that, and then deliver that. It's one thing to say it out loud, but it's another thing to actually action it.
1: Yeah, but interestingly, because actually this came up with, um, a couple of weeks ago. But the one thing we maintained we, we would do, and and you know, and again with with the GMS today, you know, it's, it's something I, I feel really strongly about was that I myself, or Edwin at the time, the hotel manager, we met every person before we hired them. Which sounds like you know, oh my God, how how'd you do that? But you know, we but we would literally have a bit like a doctor surgery on a Friday. They knew that from you know ten to two or ten to four, you know, we would be in and around the offices. And if they've, they've got candidates they've met, they want to fast fast track into the business or get people to come and work for us. But then we would sign off on it, um, yeah. just because we felt it was really really important that. You know that the people that came into the business, is, you know, you've been open for a little while, yeah, you're you don't, not you, distant. don't yeah, you don't, and also you don't dilute the talent you're bringing in, yeah, and that, that was really successful, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, you well, you had a lot of fun there uh, fun. as well, and not just in uh, London uh, as well, you you were also involved in overseas projects as well,
1: yes, yeah. So, so we um, because London, I think, has been proved to be successful, you know, we, we were um. I guess we were the poster child. Um, you know, I should caveat poster child one of one. So it wasn't exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't to we'll start somewhere. Exactly. So, um, so quite a few of us got had the opportunity to get involved with the um, the the opening of um, both uh, Miami Beach, which is a really epic place, um, uh, still is today, and uh, a New York. You know, I, I I was quite heavily involved with with Miami, as as was John, and quite a few of the other leadership team. Um, very different marketplace. Yeah, and look, we knew nothing about you know you know John, John had worked worked before in in Florida. I, I'd not worked in the States, so again for me it was a real eye opener. And again, it opened up a bit of a oh, maybe I'd quite like to do something you know with an international lens. Mm. But we 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 couldn't sort of dictate the Miami market, and it's very very different. You know, to the extent that you know we we seem to get a sort of stickiness with people we were hiring in London, whereas. You know, South Beach. You, you know what, what I, we all learned was that as soon as the new hotel comes up, however much they like where they're working, they'll move down the road for two more dollars an hour. Right. So, so it's quite a different, you know, trying different ways to try and get people sort of, you know, on, on that cultural journey. But um, so it's again, it was a bit of a you know the same way we looked to the Ritz Carlton um, openings team to help us deliver a really solid opening. I think the you know um, the, the the team from the, the Miami Beach edition you know, looked to us in terms of how we could help on the cultural side of things, um, and it and it played out really well. You know, and and, um, and you know, and again, and then John ended up doing. I did a little bit on the New York property, but John did more as he was around for longer. Right. Yeah. 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 So, how long were you with Edition in total? It's quite a long pre-opening, <laughs> probably three and a bit, three and a bit years. But it was more. Right. It was a. It was a very long pre-opening. Um, and probably a probably a couple of years, all in all, with the um, with, with the opening.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, well, what happened next?
1: So, so I um I, I I was having a I was having a great time, and I, I was sort of trying to work out you know what's next. You know there was a there was a very strong pull for um you know for for to stay with Edition, and you know my my daughter was quite young, she was just starting nursery, and it was one of those things about oh we what 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 do we do? I, I had an intro made to to uh, a gentleman called Cody Bradshaw from Starwood Capital, and uh, and, and I guess um, there's a nuance between Starwood Hotels and Starwood Capital, but Starwood yeah, yeah. Capital um, is is obviously founded by Barry Sternlicht, but it's more um, the financial side, and they and they had, amongst other things, bought a portfolio actually probably coming through the financial crisis of two thousand eight two thousand nine of multiple hotels from around the UK, which is. You know, in some cases, seen better days. Probably had less definition. And and Cody had this master plan with Barry Sternlich to try and sort of take this very large number of hotels and try and divide it into almost like two two um, buckets, for simplistic terms. You know, one bucket being a group of city center hotels, and the second bucket being a group of um, leisure, conference, golf hotels, and and um, and and so Cody sort of approached me and said, you know, are you really happy? audition? I was like nodding my head furiously, and he was like, okay, I've got, I've got an opportunity for you. You're either going to want to just remain being a GM, and that's fine, and if that's the case, really enjoyed our conversation. Or you know, potentially, would you like to come in where you you know you you you've got multiple hotels, and we're going to be, you know, it's not going to be as clean as a as, as an opening. You know, there will be one, probably openings will probably close one hotel to fully reopen it, but everything else will be, you know, sort of almost um, open heart surgery as you go. <laughs> and um, how do you fancy it? <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, I, I suppose, you know, I, I, and I, I sort of, and I, I mould it over and I mould it over. And again, it's probably a bit like the analogy I gave about, you know, the sales and marketing. Do I want to be the sales and marketing guy? It's just going around 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 around. And I love, you know, I love being a gem and I, you know, I've, I've always... I've always joked with Vicky, my wife, that you know my my fallback if it all goes wrong is, well, I suppose, I'm fallback two fallbacks: London taxi driver because I think I quite you know I think I'm quite good on the road. Been rooms. here a now, Exactly, Yeah. yeah. Um, or you know, or, or you know, ultimately you know, go back and be a GM because it's just a great job. Yeah. But it sort of felt like a <laughs> crazy opportunity. You know, there was there was a. I, I got, I, I think I got the best of both worlds because I, I got to, I got to, well, actually, I, best of both worlds and best of both worlds where I got to work with the Starwood Capital guys who are, you know, really visionary and you know, like in Schrager, you know, Barry Sternlicht has an amazing, amazing vision and you know, you look at what he's doing today with you know, Baccarat, with Treehouse, with One Hotels, mm. you know, he's, he's, you know, he's still doing that and running in a, a hugely successful, you know, finance private equity firm. And on the other hand, I really, outside of my early experience in Birmingham, I knew nothing at all about you know the provincial market, and so, so this sort of role straddled um, you know a, a, an existing management team um, led by Tony Troy, who's been been around to use as well. Yeah. yeah, so Tony, as Tony's version has been around the, the racetrack a few times. Yeah. So, so you had the operating platform on one side, and and you had Starwood on the other side, and in essence, you know the, the hotels performed really, really well, but ultimately, what Starwood was trying to do is to build up a a collection which allowed them to sort of parcel it up so that if potentially when, when, when they needed to crystallize their investment, they could sell it as sell someone a dream, either as what we would later create or potentially someone who can, you know, take this platform and slot it in somewhere else, which is what in essence happened. Yeah. So I, I you know, so I, I you know, again, I, I, I walked in and, you know, you, you. It's really interesting. Um, you know, a, a, a coach I've I've worked with for a long time. You know, he he um, I used him. I got to use him probably more when I was at Audition And um, and, and um, you know, so I, I talked to him about his job, and you know, I talked to him about what I was thinking about it. I'd asked him what he thought, and you know, and he, he described a you know a transition curve as he called it. And he said, you know, you're going to start a job. He said, you know, you've ran one hotel, but now you're starting to spin plates because you've got four or five, and they're all in renovation. You know, you've got you've got team members that you know don't really quite know the journey you want to go on. You know, there's team members that are quite happy where they are. You said you'll you know you'll get to a point where all the things that have made you successful up to now you'll keep doing that, and then you'll then realize that actually none of this is working, and then you'll start to dive. Right, interesting, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which which I always talk to people about the tra- you know, this, this this transition curve because I think it's actually quite relevant to most people when they start a new job. Mm. Now, the trick to the transition curve. So I, I said to David, the coach, I was like. So how do I get out of the hole? <laughs> it was like quickly, ideally. <laughs> so, so so it was a really good sort of, you know, good lesson. But you know, but you know, what I went from was um, you know, this this probably quite safe zone of being a GM in a hotel, obviously having some fun, opening up the Miami stuff. And then suddenly, you know, I'm I'm responsible for, you know, building a taking a load of hotels which have been successful in their own rights, but then taking them on a journey which looked very, very different to 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 where they were.
0: Yeah, well, and to, and where you were. As exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah so, yeah, yeah.
1: so there were, you know, there were some, uh, yeah, there were some moments, you know, probably in some of the early days when I was walking around, uh, you know, arguably, um, you know, you love all your children equally, Phil, of course, but you know, but but the the, the, the palace in Manchester, you know, which was sort of like this, this you know, wonderful hotel, but you sort of walk around and go. God, how are we ever gonna? What are we, we going to do with this thing? Yeah, <laughs> it was sort of like you know the Shining in a few of the corridors. <laughs> um, but so, but 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 I was you know both both with Tony and and with Cody from Starwood, they they gave me carte blanche to to build the team I needed to get the job done. And so you know Sean Wheeler, you know um, I I'd always you know. I managed sure. to prize Sean out of the Dorchester collection um, with, with some help from a couple of people. And, you know, Simon, who actually had worked with me back at the Great East and came in to be our brand director. You know, we had some young talent. And we, we, we built this, you know, and again, and I was always really clear, you know, people are better than you, better than you, better than you. You know, so the fact I managed to get Sean to, you know, come and you know, leave this fabulous job at Dorchester to come, I was like, Sean, <laughs> Come on, it's going to be great. Yeah, um, honest, honest. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it will be great. That's somewhere down the road, but but it allowed us to, you know, and I guess probably different to what I described to you earlier in terms of the, um, you know, this opening, you know, much much harder because you know we were, you know, we were trying to sort of like unravel a, you know, a culture. There's nothing wrong with that culture. It just wasn't where we needed it to be for the new, you know, for what we eventually you know described you know termed as principle. Yeah, and so. So what we so we had to come about it a very different way and you know and again and you know with an opening you've got loads of people that are all, you know, you're all there. It's like we're all there, we're all drinking a Kool Aid, we're all going the same direction. You know, and, and what we what we found, uh, and i sure, I know Sean would say the same thing was, you know, we'd sort of go in and go, you know, here's a new music and please learn the music and this is the direction we're going and it's gonna be great. And then you'd leave and they'd all go well,
0: I'm putting the heavy metal back on, thanks. Yeah, exactly. I'm quite <laughs> yeah. Happy, quite happy with what we're doing at the moment, thank you. Yeah.
1: But they they went back for three weeks, so we'll just we'll just find that music in three weeks again. <laughs> yeah. So so we so we, we went for this whole sort of, you know, not only the you know the physical, you know, upgrade of hotels in York, in Manchester, you know, two in Edinburgh, two in Glasgow, but then the cultural sort of reinvention and and, and because because these hotels, um, you know, they, they were great commercial hotels, but there was no employee branding, no employee feeling. You know, we you know, I, we proposed this idea of creating something which we we called um, Project eighteen ninety eight. So it was almost like the sort of the wrapping paper to to describe something. and in essence, we were we were trying to get people to buy into a culture because we didn't have a product to show them of what it was going to be. Mm, right. And so when we were talking to people, you know, whether that be, you know, um, a great example, I think I, you, you, I know you've had him on your show, you know, Matt Townley. Yeah, Matt Townley's got a really good job, great pedigree of Malmaze. and I'm like, Matt, come and join us. It's gonna be amazing. He's like, what am I signing up to? So we realized we had to sort of almost build an employee brand which would help hook people into our vision. Yeah. And almost then as 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 hotels sort of came off the of uh, the production line from a refurbishment point of view, then people would go. Ah, ah yes. So so, and that was a really great great lesson because you know I remember at the time I did have some sort of healthy debates about you know why are you spending all this money on this, you, what this brand is going to be defunct in twelve or eighteen months. It was like yeah, but that's the point. You know, we we need to bring people in now to you know to start drinking the Kool Aid and get them bought into it. And actually, the difference um, the difference there compared to let's say um, with an opening was that. We actually decided that you know we we, we sort of went through the organisation and we weren't talking the senior guys because we made quite a lot of change in terms of leadership, but the, the we decided that you know that there's always going to be like a stalwart who's in the, you know, on breakfast or it could be the person that runs the employee restaurant and and you know that they are the most cynical people who've see, uh, seen it all before. Ten general managers have been through this hotel since I've been here. Yeah. So so Sean and I um, said, I think we should basically make them our culture gurus. <laughs> and we mean, we sort of we thought about this, and we thought this is, is that it, on
0: the back of ten pints or something like that.
1: <laughs> no, it was very good red wine. Yeah. Red, it, it, Sean would say it was Malbec, but but we but we sort of thought it was complete uh, reverse psychology. We thought actually, if we can get the people who are the naysayers to help drive the new culture, then all the others are just going to follow. Gonna come with, yeah. yeah. So that's what we did. So, um right. yeah, so, bo- so,
0: bold thinking. Bold, again, yeah, oh. bold,
1: bold thinking. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, and from there, you know, fast-forwarding, you know, we sort of hurtled through, you know, reopening, reopening, and reopening. We we launched the principal brand in Manchester and pulled off, a, I think, a, an opening party which probably almost rivalled the London edition. And then we opened um, the flagship um, principal London yep. uh, in Russell Square, and it was it was really interesting because it, it's. Um, you know this. Uh, I used the analogy earlier about you know authors and editors, I and mean, we you know we were sort of authors moving into an editing world. And at the same time, um, Starwood had announced that they wanted to sell the business, and so it was quite a conflict in some ways because I, I I was trying to sort of you know keep all the things the purity of what we're trying to create with you know the the Charlotte Square in Edinburgh, which was a fab hotel. You know what we're doing with London, but at the same time I was I was you know getting sort of moved into this. You know you you really need to help us. Sell a dream to the um, to, to, to the next to the next um, you know, the, the next person. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, so, I do remember Sean talking about that actually when we when we had our chat. That it's a, it's an interesting time because you you have to put on a lot of different hats, a lot of different people to satisfy in that process, and it's very difficult to do that if there's no one clear direction. Uh, as it were
1: yeah and i th- I, th- I think for you know i think it's it's really you know it's really hard because you know we again as sort of you know the, you know i remember you know stuffing all the things that were going to go into the, you know the tuck box which is a principal brand standard you know and also well, there, was, there were so many memories of creating this thing and and you, you know I, over over the shot my shoulder i knew that the most likely buyer w- was going to be somebody who would go Thanks, what you've created. We'll take the best bits, but we actually have got a different view of what we we want to do. Yeah, um, and then ultimately, the um, what what happened, obviously, as well reported, was that the hotels were sold to Cavivio, which was a, a French investment fund, and then they gave basically assigned leases and management contracts to Intercontinental. Yeah. So, so I, I, um, you know, Intercontinental, um, AIG, you know, were very they genuinely liked what we did and how we did it. They had gaps because they wanted to 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 get Kimpton uh, into the European market, so that they saw that um, the principals in in London, in Manchester, in Edinburgh, in Glasgow, in Blyswood could easily slot into become uh, Kimptons quite easily. The George, which had earlier been an Intercom, became an Intercom again in Edinburgh. Yeah, and then they were working on a couple of other brands where they started slotting in the sort of the remainder of the, the the other hotels. But, but you know, and I think, you know, I I, I stayed with them for um, probably about 18 months. Um, and I committed to do that because I wanted to, you know, I, I'd worked really hard to assemble a really epic team, as had Sean. We weren't going to force people to stay there, but I equally thought that if, you know, people like Sean and I left as 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 the sale took place, that sort of really didn't, you know, didn't sit well with me in terms of all the people that have been on that journey with principal mm. and um and actually if you if you roll the clock forward, you know, obviously Sean's a good example. He had his own plan, which obviously you've discussed with him previously. Indeed, yeah. You know, and and I'd say, you know, half the group have stayed by IHG and half the group have gone off and done different things, amazing things and the people that stayed of IHG have, have you know have done really really well either you know continuing on this portfolio or, or or going into to other areas. So, so yeah. So, but but I felt for me, you know, I, I I felt that it was really critical that the people that had helped the success of the business that I didn't just sail off into the sunset. But at the same time, after eighteen months, I I, I knew that you know having built something like that. You know, you 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 see. There's an obvious point, I think, where yeah. you see that someone wants to take it in a different direction, and I didn't want to be the person that's going. Well, you should be doing this. I think you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with when we did it. So I I I sort of almost pre-agreed a, a, a period of time I'd stay with them, knowing that then you know, if you get to the end of that period of time, you, you know, you're um, you, you're not, you know, you're not it's sort of surprised. Yeah, there's no it? surprise. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. You're, you're no, you know, there's no emotion about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, and that, yeah, that, that, um, that obviously coincided with that coincided just about when Boris locked us all down for COVID. Oh,
0: frankly, it was right then,
1: <laughs> just before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I suppose the the thing about that is, as well, is it's kind of what you spoke about earlier on. If something's not right, call it. And yeah. you know, and if that's something you've got to get right internally, then that's you know that's the most important thing. But if you can already see that this is actually probably not going to be the thing for you anymore. Then you know, discuss outwardly. Yeah, you know, don't I, just I think, keep it all to yourself.
1: I think I, you know, and I sort of i've i've said to my i said to my wife, and yeah, don't don't get me wrong. You know, the period in principle was very very stressful because you know everything was like you know, lined up together, and you know there's only so many you know morning short at six thirty. We're at King's Cross. How long, How how much longer can we do this for? Because you know we were on the road every week, mm. you know, for that whole period of time. And I, you know, I was probably I was probably just a bit knackered, and and actually, um, and and you know, I said, said to my wife, I said, you know, I quite fancy a few months off now. I just I just feel I I feel like I need to recharge, and um, and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you know, you're not, you, you know, as soon as you get a call, you're going to take you know, you're going to take a job <laughs> that suits you, because she knew I wouldn't be able to do it, and um, and then and and, and almost the timings are sort of slightly out, but but you know, but actually, I I you know, before I finished up, I I was then approached about the role I'm now in.
0: Yeah, indeed. You didn't start as CEO, did you? You you came in as CEO, is that CEO yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah.
1: So so um, so if I go back to my my Hoxton story, um, one of the other people that I showed around alongside in uh, was was, in essence, the guy I now work for, and he <laughs> he looked looked at the Hoxton as an investment opportunity. It didn't end up doing it, but I, I you know I was approached by a headhunter the. Um, yeah, I was approached about a an essence of role as COO, which you know, again for me attracted me because it was London-based. There were, you know, there was there was going to be and I say going to be because there were a couple of hotels in, in in the pipeline, but it was going to have hotels in the UK, in in Amsterdam, and in the US. And I thought, brilliant, you know, this is um, you know, this is a London. I, I like living in London. It suits us from a family perspective. You know, I, I've I, I can. Pull on people and hopefully build a team that you know. Maybe I've worked with plus some new people, which can sit in London, mm. and quite like the idea of doing something which is not just London because I've done that for quite a long time. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So, so I was I was in a um, I was in a, a process, and and as you can imagine, everything was sort of moving. You know, sort of either at sort of like rapid speed or no speed. You know, we were all locked down, and um, so you know, I, I'd been hired for the role of COO, and then the the the, the, the CEO had decided he wanted to move on. And so, I, I'd sort of gone from these moments of, do I have a job? Am I going to start a job? Well, obviously, I could see that, you know, this was at a period of time where so many decisions were having to be made, needed to be made. Yeah. And so, in essence, my sort of baptism of fire sort of started, you know, the last week in April where, in essence, I sort of came in as COO, but the COO had left by that stage. And and then, ultimately, I was trying to figure out, you know, how do we do it? What do we do? And, um, and, and you know, it's... Um, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I work for a, for a great organisation. It's a family organisation, so so different mecha- you know, mecha- you know, mechanisms to working for you know a, an entrepreneur or for you know a big big group. And um, yeah, you know you could say uh, you know the rest is is history. Indeed. Well, you're making your own history
0: now. With uh, yeah, with I mean the the group because when you took on the role. They didn't have this property that we're sat in right now. That's or right. Certainly, yeah. it was in, maybe it was in motion at the time, but it, it certainly wasn't open to, for business. Yeah. So,
1: time. so ignore the obvious opens and closings of of, um, yes, of COVID. Of time, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but but as we sort of got going, we had Sea Containers, we had the Pulitzer in Amsterdam, we had the Kimpton Dewitt, which is a great property, and Riggs in Washington had opened literally a couple of weeks before the pandemic and then shut so that that was almost a, a, a an opening, and then we had a second property in uh washington d c which we were in essence refurbishing, creating the brands, onboarding pretty much all the way from through from twenty twenty through to twenty twenty one which feels like a very long time ago, and we managed to get fine we managed to find a loophole where a couple of us could actually get into the US, bearing in mind the US airspace was closed. Of course, Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we met, so we managed we we pretty much did the Lyle opening, um, uh, you know, remote. But actually, it proves actually some things can work, you know, remotely because it, it we, you know it was a great great opening. And into your question about here, so um, the group had owned um, the Ace Hotel Shoreditch since around 2015, and by the time COVID hit, I think the the view was we we you know we we met with the guys from Ace and said you know what's the next thing? And, you know, they they had a view of what the next thing was, and I, I'd say it was very, um, you know, very respectful of what Ace did and, you know, this hotel alongside the one in New York and others were, you know, institutions in, in, in their time. Mm. But I think, I think you know, we felt that Ace had a very defined view of where they want to take Ace, and I think we probably felt that we had a, a view of where Shoreditch was and, and the fact Shoreditch has sort of grown up so, so, so we felt that actually, you know, we, we, we you know we we ran a I think a fair process. We said to Ace, tell us what you do. You know, we have our own creative team um, with law, and you know, obviously our own sort of you know sort of a hub hub team as we call it. So we said, okay, you do your plan, and we looked at you know we looked at both plans and said actually, on balance, you know, whilst we like the Ace plan, we think actually, you know, we're we're already operating all of the other hotels ourselves, so we think it's probably time for us to do it. So we, at that point, we undertook a you know multi million pound redevelopment of of the hotel, and that reopened last March.
0: Yeah, indeed. And and what a transformation as well in certain areas. I mean, I, I know that the, the flow of the place is, is fairly similar to where it was, but one thing that has changed, of course, is that wonderful space on the roof, which I can imagine in this part of town, when the weather's like this, that we're, we're sat in at the moment, it's just a wonderful space to be in.
1: Yes, yeah. And I think I think what hopefully what we've managed to do, there was there was some there were some quirks to the building, because ironically it started its life as an independent then it was a Crown Plaza. So it's had it's had multiple guises. There's an awful lot of waste, particularly where where uh renovations take place. And so we have, you know, if I look around the you know, the room we're sitting in, there's elements of the room which we we kept because we thought, actually, why chuck it out to put something else in there? But with areas such as the roof, it wasn't actually particularly well laid out. And if you had an event taking place in what we now call the hundred room, that didn't flow well if you then had people just coming for drinks after after work, and so we you know we managed to add in an extra lift. So it almost meant you could sort of section off different parts of the of the roof, and that's worked really really well for us. Mm.
0: Yeah, I suppose maybe one of the benefits as well of working for a, a you know a hands-on family, as it were, is that you you I, I guess you can come to them with ideas, and if it makes sense, let's do it.
1: Yeah, the, the 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 great thing is, you know, we've 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 got great support. Uh, you know, there's a shared vision of where we want to go. But you don't have, you know, weeks of sign-offs. It, it's really if you if you really believe something, and ultimately, you, you know, we we get internal support for it. Mm. Then it's like get on with it. Why are we still talking about it? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and um, you know, and again, and it's with the team as well. You know, particularly with through COVID, I think. People did become a bit more cautious. You know, oh, do I do open this? You know, what, what happens if I open? It? We're not, you know, we're not busy. Am I going to get you know? But but if anything, you know, we, we 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 had our leadership event a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, we took everyone on the Thames rocket um, on, on the Thames, which was which is quite fun, just because it's fun. Yeah. But but I but I did it also just with this analogy of you know speedboat speedboat. You know, we need to go faster, faster. Let's not you know let's not let, you know, let's not be a cross channel ferry. You know, let's not get hung up by you know. Overthinking stuff through, and you know, I really want people to move at speed, and and you know, I I I really encourage guys. i might you know, try if you've got have got an idea, try two versions of it. If both don't work, okay, let's talk about it again. Yeah. But you know, if one works, great, celebrate the one that's worked and forget the one that didn't work. But mm-hmm. I, I really want people to just try try things because again, I think I've been lucky that throughout my career, people have sort of said, yeah, give it a try, try this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe you, maybe you're not the obvious person we'd hire, but. Have a go at it, and so I'm always trying to get people to you know get out of their comfort zone.
0: Yeah, I know you've, you you kind of I know you place a lot of value in mentors, and uh, you know, and where where would any of us be without them, right? I mean, the and you're lucky or not, depending on the mentor slash leader that you get at any stage in your career, it can send you down so many different paths. But equally, what I picked up from our chat there, as well, is that that you have a coach as well, an extracurricular coach, as it were. I don't think I've spoken to somebody who's outwardly spoken about that. There may be many people who have them, but talk to me about the the benefit of having something like that in your life.
1: So, um, I I think, you know, it was was, was an introduction made to me. Um, He's somebody that has... Understands our business, has worked in our business at a very senior level. He is now a qualified psychotherapist, which is always slightly alarming. Um, <laughs> depending on where don't you know. come back into
0: hospitality. No, I was going to say, you know, <laughs>
1: you said sometimes, you know, if I get a question, I'm trying to work out the angle of the question. But you know, but but I, again, I, I, you know, probably in the same way, you know, I, I, I really valued the course at Cranfield. I actually later went back to do a course at Cranfield to do a director's program because again, I'm really aware of the fact that you know you got one shot at life. You know, if you're if you're the you know if you're the guy you know, who's constantly giving the same stories and the same war you know, war stories, messages, you know, so people are looking to be inspired. And so so again, in the same way, you know, I, I managed to, you know, I was very fortunate to win another scholarship to go back to Cranfield to do this director's programme. You know, I we'd started doing a bit of work with his coach on a on a on a on a sort of team basis and um and he sort of said uh, you know, so he said, you know, how are you? I said, I'm fine.
0: He started crying. And <laughs> no, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, so
1: I said, well, what's the angle? Um, but then, you know, he's like, should we talk? You know, should we have time together? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Not sure how it looks. He was like, well, we'll figure it out. Mm. And, you know, I remember him saying to me, he's like, do you eat? I said, yes. Too much Germany. He goes, do you like breakfast? I said, yes, I like breakfast. He was like, let's meet for breakfast. Let's have breakfast. Let's work out if we like each other. It's um, a good way to start. Yeah, and you know, we had a really sort of open and upfront conversation. You know, he was much interested about how do I balance life outside, we call it the day job, yeah. um, which I think is really critical. And you know, and I think we, you know, we use him for some coaching as as a group to even today. And I, I wouldn't say you know we we don't have a, like a standing you know I will call you every four Friday. You know, we sort of ebb and flow. So you know, I I, I used him a lot when um, I joined law. Um, because again, it was a new role. Um, yeah. You know, ultimately the COO role became a CEO role. So I, I talked to him quite a lot about, you know, okay, well, if I, you know, how do I, you know, I love what I do as an, as, as the operator, but if I'm going to, you know, set a new COO up for success, who, who we brought in earlier this year, wh- where do I, you know, where should I focus? Where should I pivot away? And so, yeah. so, and it's just good to have a sounding board. And I think that that you know. Uh, I've met people that sort of say, oh, "I don't need a coach. Why you? It's all witchcraft." But I, you know, I think actually you, you get you get as much out of it as you put in. And I just think just someone who, you know, who's who's sort of um, you know, not your partner, not your you know your coworker, mm. but someone you can just sort of say, you know, what do you think? Am I am I you think am I off track? Or am I making you know am I what what am I doing? Because I'm not getting where I need to get to. And just to have someone to actually to help you because as you know, Phil, you know, you, as you get more and more senior, you can't really ask your colleagues for help because they're looking to you. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's where I think for me, a a, a coach plays out well. Yeah. Uh,
0: No, I I could not agree more. And I think this is uh, something that maybe they they call it something a little bit different in America. They're, I can't even remember what they call it, but they're counsellor or something like that. But they're way ahead of us on this, I think. Um, And it's something that I certainly have taken solace in. Uh, the conversations that I can have with a coach and whether that's a formal arrangement or just a coffee and a chat with because there's so many and I don't think we probably talk about this enough from a leadership perspective because everybody looks to leadership for all the answers but leadership doesn't have all the answers so who helps them in their moments of vulnerability and you've highlighted a few moments through your own career when you're in that new role you know and everybody expects you just to own it and know it and you know just get on with it and of course you do get on with it but there can't there can't help but be moments whereby you go god what am i doing <laughs> you know and so you need the help and i think the 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 asking for the help when you need it is 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 actually one of the secrets to success
1: yeah i don't know i think i think it's um you know forget the, like the british stiff upper lip you know i think it's I think the Americans are much better at it. I think they're much more just open generally and want to get feedback and want to know where they can improve. And I think you know a, a, lot, a lot of us certainly, you know, in, in the UK could look, you know, look more carefully and sort of see actually, you know, just be comfortable in breaking down that barrier and just mm. and, and actually, you know, again, be really comfortable not having all the answers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever think at the beginning of your career that you'd become a CEO? <laughs>
1: um, no, no, I don't. I don't think I did. I, I think I, you know, I people like, like most people, you know, I I, you know, I wanted to be successful. I think there's probably an element of, you know, wanting to, i was I, fortunate I didn't grow up with any naysayers, but certainly I guess going in probably a slightly off pitch route through school, not doing a classical degree, but, you know, making up for it with further education later yeah. in my life. I'm sure there was something where, you know, there was a couple of, you know, I remember, I remember my, my, it's one of my my tutor and geology teacher, and I remember him drawing a chart which basically charted salaries basically for people that have degrees versus you know no degrees. Yeah, and it's sort of like you know he I think he quite purposely like it looked like you know you got to thirty and had no degree and basically you know, your salary went down through to retirement. I think right. it was trying, I think it was like a, <laughs> a point of like you know you need to do a degree. But there's a few people like you know my, my my old headmaster who actually sadly passed a couple of weeks ago, and um you know but I I kept in touch with him and you know it actually was. It was quite nice when you know he said sort of, you know we you know we, 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 we when we met up once you know, probably fifteen years ago now, and you know he was like he goes you did the right thing you w- it wouldn't have been right for you to do that he said, so I'm glad you did it he said well, you know, i I wasn't pushing you but you know, I'm glad you did it, so it's actually yeah yeah uh, it, you know, it's not like a tod so, but you know but I think you know certainly i'm you know i'm 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 really proud and you know still continue to get a huge amount out of this business, and you know ultimately is um you know, as as, we, as I have less log chopping to do and have you know have more time, you know that's why I, I spend so much of my time, you know, with you know with the master in holders, you know, supporting institute hospitality. You know, I'm a I'm a trustee of a sport educational trust. So any way I can actively now give back because ultimately I think we've got one of the best industries around. But it's still you know it still feels like we you know, we're, we're not getting the the credibility we deserve.
0: Yeah, the messages got lost somewhere. And that's, yeah. uh, that's, a, that's entirely why this podcast exists, is to have conversations with people like you who do care about this industry and do more than their fair share of, uh, of what they should be doing. But also to kind of just highlight the possibility, right? I mean, uh, uh, there's absolutely zero barrier in this industry, you, you can go wherever the hell you want.
1: Absolutely Phil. And I you know, I always say, you know, my, my sort of my broke my broken record thing of I, I say it consistently with I'm meeting students or if I'm you know, meeting people that are looking for career advice. You know, I always say there is no glass ceiling based on your background, your qualifications or your you know or, or where you've been. It, it's you know if you, if you want to get there with you know hard work you've got the right mentor you know you, you'll get there and, yep. and I can think of you know countless people that I've worked for worked with have you know the ability to hire you know in different places in my career and I look at you know where they are now and you know a couple of them are like fast forwarding past me and I'm like super thrilled to see that they can do that yeah and again they weren't they weren't the straight A students with you know with the you know with with the you know, the sort of the pedigree university degree but they just knew that if they if they grafted they they would get there.
0: Yeah. And who cares when you get to education, right? I mean you've used it at the appropriate moment for you. It wouldn't have been appropriate. Well, maybe it would have been. You never you'll never know.
1: But you yeah, know, I think yeah, I I I call, I, I call it I backfilled. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I backfilled some skill gaps and some and some gaps to to make me a better leader.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, we absolutely do ask young people to make a decision on their life very, very quickly. And I would be a massive advocate for anybody going out and getting some experience first and then worrying about how you backfill uh, at an app- appropriate moment in your, your career. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, final question before we uh, wrap this up, because I think we've only been talking for about three hours, but that's right. <laughs> I always like to ask this question. It's my favorite question of all time. Have you got any funny stories? Oh, good... too,
1: too many, too many to count for, too many to count. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, I'll let you off the hook then <laughs> on that one. Final question then, before we we wrap it up. Um What would be your your main reasons as to what? I mean, we've covered a few, but what, to summarise, what would be your main reasons for somebody to come and join hospitality as a career?
1: I I, th- I think I think it for me, no doubt about it, it. It's it's the best job in the world. I think for for you to be able to come in, the, have the ability to to cross. Uh, a really wide career space, and that's not just hotels, but that's that's restaurants, that's bars, that's you know, that's that's the broader you know um, hospitality space. I think the ability to travel. I think so many careers are very much again limited to where you start your job, your jurisdiction, what that means. And again, yeah, you know, I've said it before, but I, I absolutely mean it. I think it's 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 the ability to you know, to start at the very bottom and if you graft and if you've got the right people around you and you're willing to, you know, willing to show some commitment, you can you can be at the top of the tree. Yeah,
0: well, case in point, proved. Fantastic. David, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. We got there in the end.
1: <laughs> we did indeed, thanks Phil, <laughs> really enjoyed it.
0: No problem at all, take care. Thank you. And there we have it, a truly wonderful chat with David and what a career he has had so far, proving that applying outside the box thinking to your career can really pay dividends. As mentioned at the head of the show, that marks the end of season four, but we're straight into season five next week. So until then, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.